Well, this morning we're, we're starting a new series, uh, specifically a new series on prayer. Um, but before we do, we introduced a new mission statement about six weeks ago. Do you know it yet? You thought you were off the hook because we were on to a new series, didn't you? You thought, I don't have to memorize it. Do you, do you know it yet? Try it with me. We are sent to love people and invite them to follow Jesus with us. Amen? That's the Great Commission. We're sent by Jesus to love people and invite them to follow Jesus with us. Well, one of the places we're sent, not just here at Wallace C, but even around the world. And uh, over the last few weeks, we've been talking about the fact that uh, a little over 10, actually 11 years ago now, we began supporting an orphanage of boys in India. And uh, we've provided for all of their needs. Uh, you've supported them above and beyond your regular giving to, to pay for uh, their food, their clothing, their schooling. And a few years ago, we even provided to, to build a home for them, an orphanage. And uh, there's 60 boys that live there now. And uh, if, if you would like to be a part of that and give towards that, you can do that online. It's $20 a month per child to help support uh, them and all their needs. And all of those funds go to those boys. You can do so in your, your giving this morning and just market India Orphanage. But I let you know of an opportunity a couple weeks ago, about five, six weeks ago, uh, that we had to actually on the same property where you uh, graciously provided to build an orphanage where the Lord used us in that way. Uh, to build a church on that same property for a church plant. There's a church that meets in the orphanage right now, but obviously we told you in India, uh, it's helpful if there's an actual building, it gives them uh, credibility in the culture if they have a physical place, a physical building to worship in. Because uh, those in India who don't know the Lord Jesus, who are worshiping false gods, often go to temples and places of worship to sing and to pray and to false gods. So it, contextually, it makes sense to have their own building where people would come and they call it a hall of praise, not a church. We told you it cost $10,000 to build something like that on this property. And we said, we're gonna take five weeks and give towards that and see what the Lord provides. And uh, so we committed to Joab. We said, we're for sure sending 10,000 and then we're gonna, we're gonna see what else we might be able to raise as a church family. And so this week, this is exciting. Uh, God's generosity through our church in a short time. This week, we'll send $22,750 to India. That, loved ones, that's, that's the work of the Spirit in you. And, and listen, it's not a unique thing that like suddenly we're giving towards it. You give generously all the time. And I'm grateful for it. Because uh, where your heart is, there your treasure is also. And, and it reveals health in our church. Um, so continue. Paul said, continue to excel in the grace of giving. And I pray you would. And uh, we'll even talk maybe a little bit about that this morning. But we're excited about that. Uh, uh, we're, we're exploring the possibility. Hopefully we're going to be taking a team to India next November uh, to be able to see that place. And uh, you'll learn more about that as we get closer. But... With that, today, uh, we're starting a, a series that will take us up through Thanksgiving called Learning to Pray. I don't know about you, but it's, it's something that's been hard for me. It, over the course of my Christian life, learning to pray has been hard. Uh, you know, it's the one thing the disciples, in, in all their time with Jesus, they never said, uh, 
Jesus, teach us how to heal people. Jesus, teach us how to perform miracles. Jesus, teach us how to turn that bread into many loaves of bread and the fish into many fish to feed everyone. Do you know what the one thing is they asked Jesus to, to teach them? They said, Lord, teach us to pray. It was the one thing that's recorded for us that they asked Jesus to teach them how to do. And, and praying can be hard. And, and for me, it's been a hard journey because, um, let me just say it this way. I, I grew up learning weird or hearing weird prayers. Prayers. People who would pray in strange ways that didn't quite make sense to my, my head, even into college. Do you know what I mean? I, let me see if you resonate with any of these. Sometimes I grew up in a really traditional church. And, and, and prayer was very formulaic. It was always the same. I, I can remember that there were a handful of acceptable prayers that the, that the pastor would pray. It was always one of three or four. And at the end, uh, any participation we would have as a church is we would, sometimes we would sing, amen. And if it was, but then I learned if it was really, really pious prayer, then it'd be, amen. And if it was really, 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 really pious, then we'd sing that same thing like five times really loud with the organ and everything. And, and to me, growing up, that, that, that's how I started to understand prayer, just really formulaic. God seemed distant, and if I didn't approach him in the, the exact right way, he didn't hear me. Maybe, maybe that's, um, that's your experience. Sometimes meaningless repetition um, just repetition for repetition's sake, to hear us say it. Sometimes uh, syntax from the Middle Ages. I, I remember hearing that as a, as a child too. You know, Lord, we beseech thee to provide thou all this King James English that I didn't understand. And so, you know, you try to pray like that and you didn't really know what you were saying, but you heard somebody else say it. So that's what I was going to say. Strange syntax sometimes in prayer. Sometimes piousness in prayer. Uh, not reverence, but piousness. Do you know the difference? Reverence is approaching God with, uh, with fear, with, with awe, with, with reverence for him. Piousness is, is me making myself reverent before God and, and pious and holy somehow. So sometimes pious prayers take on a different tone of voice. And we pray like this. And we enunciate God. You know, stuff like that. Or, or sometimes really, really breathy, you know. And we approach God just really, oh, yeah. And now listen, with, with all those types of prayers, is there anything necessarily wrong with any of that? With praying with a different voice, with a different articulation, with praying a formulaic prayer? No, I, in fact, uh, we do that every Sunday. Do you realize that? When we sing songs to the Lord, those are formulaic prayers, there, there's nothing wrong with those things. All I'm pointing out is that, that for me, as I was growing to learn to pray, those things weren't very helpful to me to understand really what prayer was. And maybe you've had that same experience. I mean, repetitive prayers, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, using old English, there's nothing wrong with that. A different, no, different tone of voice, nothing's wrong with that. But it sure makes learning how to pray a chore. It, it makes it hard to make it a natural part of my life because uh, none of those things are a natural part of 
my life. Um, prayer is hard because if we're honest, sometimes we wonder, does it really make any difference? That's another reason prayer can be hard. You know, this fall has been a, been a struggle for me because uh, this time of year, I think just in general, but especially this fall more than last year, those of you who know me, two years ago, my dad in August was diagnosed with a glioblastoma, with brain cancer, really aggressive. And three months later to the day uh, on his anniversary, he passed away. It was just like that. And I can remember in the beginning, it's just a shock and it hits you and you, you pray. And if I'm honest, there, there came a point where I quit praying because I didn't know what to pray. I didn't know how to pray. And I think probably subconsciously there was part of me that went, is it really going to make any difference? Hope you're okay with your pastor being vulnerable to tell you that. It's hard sometimes because we wonder, is it really going to make any difference? Prayer is hard because sometimes just the act of prayer can be frustrating for us in our sin. Do you know that? Have you had this experience? You sit down to pray and you do well. Uh, for about 20 seconds. And then your mind starts to wander. You start thinking as you're praying, oh, I need to call them today. Oh, I need to finish that today. I got to make sure I get to the store today and pick that up while I'm in Warsaw today. And I can't forget to reply to that email or to, to put that in my cart on Amazon today. Um, and then this morning you started thinking about the Cubs. And I wonder if they're going to win the World Series. I wonder how it's going to happen. I wonder, I wonder if Jesus is going to come back right before game four. <laughs> you start, and then all of a sudden you, you step back and you go, okay, wait, no, I'm distracted, Lord, I'm sorry. And you, by sheer force of will, you draw yourself back to praying. And again, after about 10, 15, maybe even a couple minutes, uh, your mind's wandering again. And you repeat this cycle to where you get to the point where you just get frustrated and you go, you know what, there's something wrong with me. And I, I, why don't I just give this up and just do something productive this morning? Does anybody share that experience? I think we all do to some extent. And we get frustrated. We wonder what's wrong with, what's wrong with me? Well, the truth is there is something wrong with us. See, our desire to pray comes from creation. We bear God's image as part of the Trinity, and we desire relationship. And we had, uh, there was perfect relationship with God in the garden. Perfect walking with him, perfect communion, perfect conversation. And then in Genesis chapter 3, it all got messed up when we sinned. And I know it was Adam and Eve in the garden, but you and I have sinned too. And, and it was great until we sinned. We messed it up. And now... Uh, we're not in the garden side by side with God, physically walking with him anymore. Yet, you know what? Still deep down, there's that desire to be. Deep down, because you bear God's image and God is Trinity, you desire that relationship, whether you realize it or not. You desire that friendship with God. And it causes you to fulfill it with all kinds of other uh, wrong ways to fulfill that desire. At your deepest level, you and I are broken in our sin. But thankfully, Jesus gives us the opportunity to be reconciled to God through his perfect life, his burial, his death, his resurrection. And we're adopted into his family like we sang, we're kids of grace. 
and we can begin to rebuild and restore that relationship. But you know, the truth is, it's frustrating because of our sin. And it's really frustrating in American culture. I think in American culture, it might be the hardest place in the world to pray. The hardest place. Because when we slow down to pray, we find it uncomfortable. As Americans, we prize accomplishments. We do. We prize independence. And prayer by its very nature is an act not of independence, but dependence. And so while there's good things about America, there's, there's some really good things about America, God's blessing to us. One of the struggles for us, if we're honest, that we got to be aware of is that in that culture of independence and of, of responsibility, and I can pull myself up by my bootstraps, we, rec- we, we lose sight of the fact that, no, we really can't do that. We need Jesus to help us. And subconsciously, we can buy into this idea that we can do it on our own. And living in America is an incredible blessing. Here, Listen, I'm not bashing America, okay? Did you hear that? I'm not. I'm just saying let's be aware of where we live. And let's be aware of of where our heart can be drawn. Let's be aware of our inadequacies so that we can love Jesus more. And, And we live in the most opulent culture that's ever been. And so we have more wealth than has ever been in the history of the world. And that's not a bad thing. That's, a, that's a, a great blessing from the Lord. But it can be a struggle for us when it comes to prayer because money sometimes is easier than praying. It's easier just to go out and supply my needs and, and buy these things than it is to, to rely on the Lord and pray about it. It's easier just to get more than uh, stuff than to get more of Jesus. And at the heart, that's what prayer is. And we get, loved ones, we get frustrated because of sin and because Satan doesn't want us to know God and know who we are. And it's frustrating, but nevertheless, prayer is part of the Christian life. You need to pray. I need to pray at our deepest level. We're designed for it, to have fellowship with God. And so what we're going to do over the next five weeks is we're going to look at what it means to pray. And learn how together, hopefully by God's grace in a helpful way, learn to pray. Because you need to pray. I need to pray. To quote the great theologian M.C. Hammer, you, you need to pray. You got to pray just to make it today. Some of you who are high school kids in the 90s, you're welcome. So what is prayer? What is prayer? What is prayer? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And we're going to answer that question, but first let me pray, and then we'll dive into this together. Father, thanks for Jesus. Thanks that we have the opportunity because of your grace to us through him that I can stand and talk to the creator of the universe. That, Jesus, I can, I can talk to you at any moment, at any time, that you hear me, that you come near to hear me, that you, you want to hear me and to spend time with me. It's an incredible blessing, Lord. Father, I pray for our church. I pray for me that you would uh, draw our hearts toward you, that we would see prayer as what it is, as a relationship with you. That it's not so much learning about how to pray. It's really, Jesus, learning to know you and to love you more. And it becomes a natural part of everyday life. Holy Spirit, I pray you'd use me this morning. Uh, Teach us, teach me even as I teach, and change us by your word. We pray this through Jesus, our only hope. Amen. So what is prayer? Well, in its very simplest form, prayer is this. 
It's simply talking to God. In its very simplest form, now there's more, much more can be said about it, but in its very simplest form, prayer is simply talking to God. It's a conversation. It's a friendship. It's a relationship. You know, I mentioned earlier some, some weird types of praying that, that I experienced growing up, and I said it wasn't really helpful for me in learning how to pray. Because when I think about it, when I think about my own friendships, my own relationships with other people, I don't talk to any of them that way. I don't come home and start talking in old English to Hannah. How's twist your day? <laughs> Didst thou go to the store today? I don't say that. You know, hey, what'd you do today? Did you guys go to the store? Did you get groceries? We, we talk. I don't talk to anybody like that. And, and prayer is simply you talking to your creator. At its simplest level, it's talking to God. So in this series, I want to do a few things. I want to explore what prayer looks like. I want you to get to see it as as simply that, talking to your creator, and and that it would become um, a a way of life, that it wouldn't be a focus for you of learning, make sure I, I get it right and pray all the right words. No, but that you get to know Jesus. That you get to know him and to love him and to spend time with him. That's prayer. That's prayer. And here's what's exciting to me. This next year, we're going to be embarking on a campaign together, a spiritual journey together uh, to add on to, to renovate our facility. We've been talking about that. And within the next couple of weeks, um, really soon, we're going to be presenting some of those plans to you and show them to you. And uh, I'll be honest with you, though, the biggest part of this, yeah, we're, we're, we're going to need to, we're going to ask you to give and to be part of it and get your feedback and all that good stuff. But do you know what the biggest part of all this is going to be? I've been a part of it at other churches. The biggest part of this, honestly, is going to be getting to trust the Lord more. The biggest focus of this campaign isn't uh, getting you to give. It's getting you to pray more. It's getting you to love and to know Jesus more and to be motivated by his mission more. I'm really excited about it. You're going to hear more and more about it over the coming weeks and months. Um, And, you know, the closest our church has been to a journey like this one that we're going to be heading on is at the very beginning of the church when when this facility was built. Um, Some of you know that that was a great joy, wasn't it? Some of you were here then. You were trusting God. You were loving him, serving alongside one another, seeing God provide in ways you never expected. You never expected. Stepping out in faith, trusting God for the unknown. Let me ask you, I was thinking about this this week, if... If my faith today, if everyone 30 years ago who helped start our church and give to our church and even build this facility, if, if all of them had the same faith 30 years ago that I have today, uh, how much of what we've seen God do would have happened? Did you catch that? If everyone 30 years ago has the same faith and trust and willingness to step out in faith as I do today, uh, would all of this have happened? Would less have happened? Would more have happened? Your faith today will affect generations for eternity. We're just passing through. This isn't our home. Be thinking about that. So over the next five weeks, we're going to explore what it looks like to have a lifestyle of prayer. Because if your answer to that question is not much, then you and I need to learn to pray. We need to learn to pray. Um, now, as we get going, I, I just want to commend to you a book, and then we're going we're to look at one piece of this this morning. Uh, but it's called A Praying Life. 
A Praying Life by uh, Paul Miller and uh, Daniel Pal- or David Pollison. This is the most helpful book I've ever read on prayer. It's very down to earth, uh, very easy. It talks about prayer in terms of an ongoing relationship. It, it, it's, I think it's probably seven, eight years old. It's, it's very helpful. And I'll be honest with you, uh, it, the, the, the format for this series really is coming out of the chapters in the format of this book. So if you pick up this book and you read it and you go, hmm, I think Josh stole that from this. You're right, I did. So I'm just being honest with you up front. And if you'd like to pick up a copy, I'd, I'd encourage you to do so. You find it on Amazon, you find it all over the place. A really, really helpful book on prayer. Well, this morning as we get started, we're going to spend a lot of time here, but here's where we're starting this week is I want you to learn, you and I, to learn to pray like a child, which is really fitting because today all of our kids are in here with us. All of, all of our children are in here with us this morning. We don't have our, our kids ministry other than the nursery. And, and so I want to talk about it with, with that object lesson right in front of you, what it looks like to learn to be and pray like a child. Number one, you must become like a child. You and I must become like a little child. Did you know that more than once Jesus tells his disciples that they should become like children? Here's a few of them. Uh, Mark chapter 10. This is probably the most most famous one. In Mark chapter 10, uh, Mark writes, he says, And they were bringing children to Jesus that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. That seems so foreign to us because uh, in, in that day, children weren't looked at as cute and innocent. The romanticizing of children didn't really happen until only a couple hundred years ago. They were just kind of annoying and in the way in many ways. So that wouldn't have been odd for them to do that. But when Jesus saw it, this is what was odd. He was indignant. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Don't hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. He goes on, he says, truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands on them. Another incident occurs in Mark chapter 9, previous to this. Uh, The disciples are traveling and they come back with Jesus and they begin talking to him and they're arguing with one another. Look, they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, which is likely Peter's house, uh, Jesus asked them, he said, what were you discussing on the way? I heard heard you guys talking. I heard a little argument there. What were you talking about? But they kept silent. Because on the way, they were arguing with one another about who was the greatest. (laughs) How would you like to be called out by Jesus on that one? I think I'd probably be quiet too. And Jesus sat down and he called the 12 and he said to them, he goes, You know, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And then he took a child and he put him in the midst of them and and taking his arm, taking him in his arms, he said to them, see, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. Whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. See, at first Jesus says nothing and they sit down he takes a child and He's saying that children are important to him. Little children, even in adult form, are important to him. If you want to learn to pray, you need to become like a child. You need to become like a child. 
A lesser known incident happens when the disciples return all excited from their first missionary journey. And in Luke chapter 10, they come back and they're like, Jesus, even the demons, even the spirits obey us according to your name and are subject to us because of you. And look at Jesus' response in verse 18. He, he, first he says, Then I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall hurt you. It's amazing the power we have in Jesus Christ. He goes, Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven, that you're God's children, is what he's saying. And in that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and he said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Jesus is thrilled that his disciples are like children. And I'm telling you, we need to become like children. Well, what's a child like? A, a child comes with no pretense. A child speaks whatever's on their mind. If you really want to know what's going on uh, with somebody, ask their kids. Especially, and the younger they are, the, the more truthful an answer you're going to get. And that's terrifying for parents, isn't it? <laughs> oh, I can't believe you said that. And yet that's, that's what Jesus wants us to do when we come to him. Like a child. See, the problem is that as we grow older, we become less naive and more cynical. And so what we do is we try to put on uh, this shell and instead of just coming to Jesus as we are, we come to him making ourselves who we think we ought to be when we come to him and praying in certain ways and in certain phrases and uh, we're fake when we come to him. That's why prayer is so unrewarding and unsatisfying sometimes for us because we try to recreate ourselves as something we're not. And Jesus says, no, come to me as you are. Like a child. Like a child. Just talk to me. You need to begin with who you are when, we approach, when you approach God. And you know what? That's how the gospel works. You, you don't clean yourself up and then come to faith in Jesus. You come to him just as you are and Jesus cleans you up. You, you come as you are. Second thing you need to do is you need to learn to talk with your father. When Jesus uh, instructs us how to pray in Matthew chapter 6, did you notice how he begins his prayer? And how he begins almost all of his prayers is with our Father. Our Father. Prayer is talking to your Father. Now, uh, for some of us, that's a hard concept to think of because I know the truth is that some of us, some of you have, have fathers who um, didn't bear the name of, of God as Father very well in your home. Some were absent, some abandoned you, some treated you in ways you should never be treated. And God hates it. But the reality is, whether you understand it or not, I'm telling you the truth, you have a heavenly father who's perfect and who loves you as his child. And I would commend to you to talk to him. And, and, and when you talk to him as your father, talk to him as his child. Ask like a child. Those of you with children or even just around children, maybe you've even heard it this morning. Have you heard children ask their parents for something? How do they ask? Repeatedly? Nonstop? Sometimes you give in just because they wear you out? 
They're always asking, hey, hey, can I do this? Can I do that? Can we do this? Hey, what about that? Can we go there for lunch? Can we do this? Always asking. And, and you know what else? Not just asking like a child, but believing like a child. Because when a child asks, if you watch a child with his mom or dad or her mom or dad, when, when they ask, and they've got a good mom, good dad, you know what they do? They believe with their whole heart that there's, that could absolutely be fulfilled by their parents, that request. When the commercial comes on for Disney, Dad, can we go to Disney World tomorrow? They believe with their whole heart you can fulfill that. Jesus says, come to me like a child. Like a child. Do you go to the Lord like a child, like your father, asking and believing like a child? When you really learn to pray, you learn to dream again. Because you've got a heavenly father who is the richest of all the dads, who is strongest of all the dads, who is kindest of all the dads, who loves you more than anyone else's dad. And he's able to answer and he cares. Children are supremely confident of their parents' love and power and instinctively they trust. That's how we should love our heavenly father and talk to him. But as we get older, we get less naive, we get more cynical. Again, I'll I'll bring this back up. Um, The campaign coming up, right? For for some of us, we get cynical as soon as we hear that. Oh, we're going to spend how much money? We're going to do what? Why would we do that? Do you know how much that's going to cost, Josh? There's no way that we can do that. You're right, we can't. But we have a father who owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. We have a father who's committed to reaching more and more people for the glory of Jesus Christ. We have a father who loves you and your family and your community more than you could ever dream or do it yourself. Will you ask him like a child and believe like a child that he actually is who he says he is? See, this journey together Loved ones, that's what it's going to be. Now, kids, I know you're here today. Where are you? Where are the kids? Yeah, woo, let me hear you. All right, kids, can, I can't see you very good, so can you help me? If you're one of the kids who's normally in Wawasee Kids, do me a favor. And normally your parents would tell you never to do this in church, so normally obey them. But at this one instance, I'm going to ask you to help me here. Would you stand up on the pew where you're sitting right now so I can see you? Stand up. Let me see you. Hey, there they are, out of the woodwork. There they come. Look at all of them. Yeah. Now, kids, I have a request for you. Do you know, kids, here, listen to me here. I got something really important for you, okay? So stay standing. I got something really important to ask you. Do you know every time, uh, almost every time, I'd, I'd lie if I said every time, but I try to every time, whether it's during the week or on a Sunday morning, when I drive into the church parking lot uh, for the last few years, you know what one of my prayers is every time I drive in? I ask God, I say, God, do something in our church that's never been done before. Do something only you can do. Do something amazing so that more people would know Jesus. And here's, my, here's what I want to ask you to do. Are you with me? If you're with me, say, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, now, if, if, now I want to ask you to do this. Help me. Here's what I'm asking you to do. 
every day when you remember, maybe at night before you go to bed or in the morning when you get up, or maybe every Sunday you come to church, would you pray this and pray it from your heart? Say, Jesus, would you do something in our church that's amazing? That's all you got to pray. Say, do something only you can do. And just say, just ask him to do something incredible at your church. Will you do that? Help me out. Will you do that? So you try to do that as, as often as you remember. Jesus, do something incredible at our church that only you can do. Something incredible at our church. Yeah, yeah? All right. Thanks, guys. Have a seat. Maybe you'd pray that with your kids at night before they go to bed. Jesus, do something amazing at our church. Just a simple prayer. Watch how they pray it. Believe like they believe when they pray it. They probably have a better understanding of God as a good father than you and I do because of our age and our cynicism. Well, next part of of learning to pray like a child is spending time with your father. You know, two of my favorite things to do with Charlie, he's 10 months old this week. First one is talking to him. I talk to him, and you know what? When I talk to him, I, I can't understand anything he says. Ah, ba, 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 It's like that. And sometimes he'll mimic you, and, and, and so you can just go back and forth and you just have this conversation. And it's, you know what? I don't know what he's saying. I don't care. It's a delight to me to spend time with him. You know, if you're worried about how you approach your father when you pray to him, you don't need to. If you've trusted Jesus and you've become his child, he delights simply in the fact that you would spend time with him. The second thing that I love to do with Charlie at this age, he is the most determined little boy. It's just unbelievable. I mean, I know a lot of little boys are like this, but he's always moving. It's just, it's unreal how often he's moving. And when you have the opportunity just to sit with him, even for a minute... Uh, Like this picture, it's gold. (laughs) 30 seconds like that makes my day. And I know it does Hannah's too. And uh, Wheel of Fortune, that's the only thing that puts him in a trance like that. (laughs) Watching the wheel spin on TV. But I'm glad just to hold him and enjoy what he enjoys and to be with him. Do you spend time with your father, with your heavenly father? See, Jesus said, if an earthly dad knows how to give good gifts to his children, don't you think your heavenly father knows even better how to give good gifts to you? Friends, he loves you. Prayer is simply talking to God and spending time with him. Do you do that? You know, you would think if if Jesus was the son of God that he wouldn't need to pray. Wouldn't you think that? I mean, he, he would, he would, he at least wouldn't have a specific, he'd always be praying. He wouldn't have a sp- need to take specific time to spend with God and pray, would he? But you'd be wrong. You'd be wrong because whenever Jesus starts talking about prayer, we read about him praying, we read about him getting away to spend time with God and specifically to spend time with his father. Look at John 5. The son can do nothing on his own accord. He was dependent like a child when he prayed. I can do nothing on my own, like a young child with his dad. I do nothing of my own authority, but I speak just as the father has taught me. Loved ones, your kids mimic you when you talk. Do you know that? 
Jesus, in childlike dependence, spoke only what he learned from his father. The father who sent me has given himself, has given, has himself given me what to say and what to speak. Only a child would say, I do only what I see my father doing. When Jesus tells us to become like little children, he's not telling us to do something he doesn't already do. Would you spend time with him and trust him and believe him? Knowing you can't do life on your own, but you need a good dad to be with you? Friends, Jesus was fully human. And he lived in his full humanity, dependent on his heavenly father. And, and really, any relationship is like this. I want to talk in a moment here as we close about continuous prayer, but you've got to take time away to spend time with someone to really get to know them and have a good relationship with them, especially in your family. See, and that quality time comes from quantity time. It's hard to schedule quality time and say, we're going to sit down and we're going to have some quality time together. But you know what? If you just schedule some quantity time with people... That quality time just seems to happen as an accident. If you would just start spending quantity time with the Father. Here's, and I would encourage you to take baby steps. Don't go home this week and go, if, you, if, you haven't, if you've had a very poor habit of prayer, don't go home this week and then say, you're going to get home tonight and you say, tomorrow morning, I'm getting up at 5.30 and I'm going to pray until 6.30. Then I'm going to read my Bible for a half hour. Then I'm going to get ready for work. Then I'm going to get in the car and all the way to work, I'm going to pray. And then all the way home, I'm going to pray. Now, you know what's going to happen? You're going you're gonna to fail. You're going to fail. You're going to sleep till about 7.30, get up. And it's not going to happen. Take baby steps. Start with five minutes. Start with five minutes. Start with one minute, if that's hard. Here's what you do. If, if, maybe you do it in the morning, maybe you do it at night. If you're going to do it in the morning, first get to bed so you can get up. Get to bed. Get up. Wake up. If, if you need to wake up, you know, drink some coffee, take a shower, find a quiet place, get comfortable. You don't have to be on your knees. Uh, and then get going. And talk to him. Like maybe you've seen children talk to their good dad. Just talk to him. Tell him what's going on that day. Tell him where you're, where you're going, who you're talking with, what you're doing. Enjoy conversation with him. If you don't know where to start, then maybe uh, start by hearing from him and reading his word. That's his word to you, and it's this conversation that goes back and forth. Uh, two last things. Four, learn to be helpless. Children are good at being helpless. It's what they do best. But as adults, we often forget it, and it comes with a cost. Because we don't know how to pray with helplessness to our Father. Throughout the book of John, people come to Jesus because of their helplessness. The Samaritan woman in John 4, the official son later in that chapter who has no health, the crippled man by the pool in Bethesda in chapter 5, the crowd with no food in John chapter 6, the blind man with no sight in chapter 9, Lazarus, no life in John chapter 11. Friends, you received Jesus because you were weak, and that's how you follow him. That's why Paul says, just as you received him, so follow him. You needed Jesus. You didn't do anything to earn your salvation. So follow him in the same way, with total helplessness and dependence. Like a child. Like a child. Finally, I'm going to skip ahead here to number five. Learn to call out continuously. Continuously. 
Now, I encourage you, find time that you spend time away praying to God, spending time with him. But don't let that be the only time. Get in the habit of just calling out to him all the time. Let me ask you, how do children call out for their mom or dad? It goes like this. Tell me, see if, see if I got it right. Dad? Hey, Dad. Dad? Dad? Daddy? Hey, Dad, Dad, I got some. Dad, hey, Dad. Dad, Dad. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Dad! Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Dad, can you, Dad, are you listening? Hey, Dad. And it goes on and on and on. You ever see that in children? Continuously, dependently, trying to get your attention. Do you, do you pray to God continuously like that, just always going to him? See, when, when, when Jesus prayed, most scholars think that he regularly addressed the Father as Abba. Not the band, but the word. <laughs> Abba. You know what that means? Abba is similar to our word Papa or Daddy. It's a very affectionate term for your father. And when people heard him say that, they were probably shocked that he would have used such intimate words with God. How can you be that intimate? What? That's sacrilegious. What in the world? And, you know, I think that's probably how he always prayed because, and here's the logic of scholars scholars who believe this. We know the word Abba because it burned itself on the disciples' mind. It's the only reason we know it. it. They were so stunned. No one had ever spoken to God so intimately before. So that when they started telling the Greek Christians about Jesus, they, they began using this Hebrew word Abba for father. And it got transliterated into the Greek and into English. And every translation you have now, it talks about crying out to Abba, Father. Because they would have heard Jesus say it. It was, it was a way that he prayed, always praying to God. And Paul even, he picks it up. Because you are sons, because you are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, dependently. Jesus is always praying to his Father. Do you cry out to your heavenly dad like a child cries out to their good dad? Asking him anything, believing he can answer. Simply spending time with him. Friends, this week, let's become like children in the very best sense of the word. Kids, you can help by modeling what prayer looks like to your mom and dad. Let me pray, and then we're going to sing and call it a morning. Father, thanks for Jesus. It's amazing to think, Father, of, of the great tender love that you care for us with. Because in our sin... We know that we've offended you. We know that uh, we don't deserve a loving relationship from you. We don't deserve your grace. We deserve your wrath. And in fact, when we sin, we hide from you. And uh, we, we believe the lie from the enemy that, uh, that you're incredibly angry with us. And you are angry about our sin. But the truth of the matter is that if we've trusted Jesus and we're in him, you view us as your own son, as your own daughter, as, as your ch- child, and you love us with great grace. And that Jesus, our big brother, took all the punishment of your wrath for us. And that we don't need to fear condemnation from you anymore, but we can come to you just like a small child would to their loving dad. 
Teach us to come to you as children this week. Father, I pray for those maybe who are here who uh, have a hard time trusting you as father because their earthly dad uh, was, was in many ways evil and harsh to them. Uh, father, would you through your spirit reveal your grace to them and your love for them this morning through Jesus? Would today you give them uh, the grace to turn to you in saving faith? And Jesus, I pray for any of those who've never trusted you that today might be the day they trust you for the penalty of sin, for you paying their penalty for sin on the cross and that they would come to be a part of your family. Thanks for Jesus, Father. We pray all of this through him. Amen.